Hey, Val. Hey, Mark. I just heard something that was really awesome at a conference that we went to. Wow, what is it? Did you know, and this is just really, it's, everybody knows this, but to me it just really struck me, that the kingdom of God is available to everybody right now and into eternity. And that really, that really got my, my spirit aroused. It got, it got me excited. It reminded me that everybody has the opportunity to become part of God's family now. And when they are, he doesn't kick you out, that you're part of that family forever. And I, I just thought that was such an, uh, an awesome thing, an awesome concept that I heard. That is awesome. You know, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. It's so simple. I love that about our God. Yep, when I think about that, I feel so encouraged, you know, that it's simple, that it's hopeful. It makes me excited that I just want to tell others, just tell people, did you know that God's inviting you to be part of his family now and it lasts forever? Yeah, it makes me want to tell others, too. And it also makes me feel so valued and so treasured because the God of the universe provided a way that I could have my sins paid for and be with him forevermore. It also makes me see what God sees in others. He sees everybody as valuable. He sees them as precious in his sight. He sees them as his treasure and wants to invite them in. And it makes me want to do that same thing. It makes me want to tell them how wonderful they are and that they can have this wonderful gift too. The message is so encouraging and it just fills me up to the overflow that I just want to tell everybody what an amazing creature they are. In fact, hey, you, man of God, you are faithful, you are loving, you are kind and compassionate. You're an amazing, amazing man, and I am so grateful that you're my husband. Uh, thank you, Val. <laughs> well, not only are you God's treasure, but you're my treasure, too. You're beautiful. You're brilliant. Your, your voice is so lovely. I think you're the best. Well, I think you're the greatest, and I love you. I love you more. Well, what a privilege to be here today. I'm Valerie Wilman. This is Mark Wilman. And we performed that little skit for you to try and illustrate the concepts that we are going to be starting today. So we're going to take, <laughs> we're going to put it up there. And it's actually from a series that Pastor Aaron has been doing called Fire Starter. Okay? About starting fires. Good fires and bad fires we're learning about. But today we're going to start by looking at a good fire by speaking encouragement. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's our title. And the bottom line for today, we want you to get this. If you get nothing else, we want you to get this. And we hope that that little skit illustrated it. Filled with the good news of being redeemed, we overflow with joy, empowering us to speak encouragement to others. Amen. So like Val said, this is a, one of the sermons in a series of five. It's actually the third one in a series of five called Firestarter, talking about the power of the tongue. 
that the tongue can start a fire of destruction, our tongue can start a fire of destruction, or a fire of revival, of life. Now last, or two weeks ago, Pastor Aaron, can you believe this guy's here? On Monday he had hernia yeah, right. surgery, and he's <laughs> here in the front Lord, row. for your healing. So awesome. we're going to pray for you at the end of the service, so if you, if you can make it, if you see him uh, going out early, then we'll stop and, and pray then, but I want to pray for you at the end of the service. But two weeks ago, the topic was the most powerful member of the church, and that's the tongue. Our words have the power to shape lives, so we must submit to the Holy Spirit before we speak. And last week, he talked about garbage in, garbage out, that we need to selectively filter what we allow into our spirits because when we are under pressure, what's inside will come out in our words. So today, what we're going to talk about is what you see up on the, on the board, or on the, on the wall, Speak up, and that's us, Christians, because we have a reason to speak up. Let the redeemed say so. We want to talk to you about speaking life and encouragement today. And because we are filled with the good news of being redeemed, we overflow with joy, empowering us to speak encouragement to others. Amen. Okay, well, we're going to start by reading the scripture. I'm going to read the scripture for you. We chose this scripture because we felt like it really embodied the concepts we want to cover today of encouragement. So it's Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Well, we want to encourage each other, but what does encourage mean? So we looked up the definition from the Oxford Online Dictionary. It's derived from two French words, in and courage. So it means to put courage into something. So one definition is to give support, confidence, or hope to someone, such as, I'm with you, or I know you can do it, I see it in you, or I believe God will use you in a great way to make a difference. The next definition is give support and advice to someone so that they will do or continue to do something. I, I view this as reinforcement. You know, if someone does something that we appreciate, and we encourage them afterwards, they're more likely to do it again. Research just demonstrates that. So, Mark, I just really appreciate the way you covered that last concept, and it just flowed really smoothly. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's encouragement. The next definition is help or stimulate to develop, such as an activity, a state, or a view. This is what I, I really like this one, because this is cheering people on. I was a cheerleader when I was in high school and junior high, so <laughs> along with a baton twirler. So I did a lot of cheering on. But what it really brings to mind for me is it brings to mind this picture of this guy in the gymnasium with this barbell, huge lifting, lifting it up, just trying, trying so hard. And the coach comes alongside him and goes, go, push, push. You can do it. Come on, lift, baby, lift. And up it goes. That is encouragement. 
I found a, a summary definition that, that touched me. It's from uh, becoming a minimalist, but it's, it says this, encouragement is an expression and assurance of one's hope and future in words, presence, and in sincerity. And what I really like about this definition is that we're being present with the other person and we're being sincere. So you guys know that I was trained as a farmer and you were not going to get away with a sermon without something about plants. So believe it or not, there was an experiment conducted by the department store IKEA. And I care about you guys. So that's why I'm presenting this. So they took two plants from their store. They put them in these glass cages with a recording device, or actually a playback device. And in one cage, or case, they spoke negative words, and in the other one, praise words. And for 30 days, they did this on a continuous loop. And they'd had this in schools in the United Arab Emirates. And the kids were fascinated by it. And they even recorded some of the kids' stuff and fed it into the plants. And after 30 days of this continuous talk of either being bullied or praised, look at those plants. Wow is right. Now, this isn't necessarily a scientific experiment. There's no replication. There's no um, controls involved. But very powerful demonstration, very powerful demonstration to the kids of what bullying can do as opposed to what encouragement can do. And I thought you guys would appreciate this picture. Encouragement matters, definitely. And the ratio of encouragement to criticism also matters. The famous John Gottman is a researcher from the University of Washington who did his work with couples originally, but he also extended it to relationships of all kinds. And he identified a healthy ratio of encouragement to criticism. And that ratio is at least five positive, healthy, good comments, encouraging comments to every one negative criticism. Five to one at the very minimum. Six to one would be better. Seven to one even better. Why does this work? Well, because God created us to thrive on encouragement for others. It's just the way you and I are made. So remember that when we're talking to one another. Your encouragement can impact the health of your relationships. So how do we do this? How do we focus on encouragement? Well, we want to get rid of the negative and focus on the positive. Well, how do we do that? You know, the scripture said, get rid of all rage, anger, bitter, bitterness, and slander, right? That's easy to say and hard to do. I'm going to tell you a little bit from a psychological standpoint of why it's hard to do. is because when we're focusing on the negative, what happens as we focus more and more and more on the negative? Can you see that essentially we can't see anything else? We just see the negative. That neurological network is triggered in our brain, and the chemicals that are involved there start producing, and they just impact the whole brain, and your whole focus narrows down to the negative. Well, then we start obsessing, and we get caught in what I'll call chemical crap. My, that's the technical term that I use, chemical crap. My mama called it stinkies. So we get caught in the stinkies, and we want to get out of that. And so how do we do that? Well, the Bible also gives us some examples of how to do that. It says, take those thoughts captive 
and bring them to Christ. Release them into his hands where he already paid for it all anyway. He already paid for all the, the chemical crap, the stinkies in our life. So release it off of you. And then what we want to do is in Philippians 4.8. The Bible gives a concise example of what we need to do. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Live in it. Dwell in it. Why? Because you're going to use the other part of your brain. You're going to trigger the chemical fuel for encouragement for yourself, filling you up so that you can be an encouragement for others. Light that side of your brain on fire. Dwell in what God says to dwell in. So along with that is that we want to speak to ourselves using internal encouragement. How many people admit that they speak to themselves? Well, I do, yeah. Have you ever monitored what you say to yourself? Have you ever thought about, wow, what I just said to myself, that's not very nice. I know I've, I've had times when my internal voice hasn't been a happy place. So I'd like to do a little experiment with you guys, if you don't mind. <clears throat> We're just going to take a few moments here, and I want you guys to have talking to yourself. Just a few moments of talking to yourself, but I want you to talk some negative stuff to you, and then afterwards, I want you just to rate yourself on how you feel, maybe from one, you know, very bad, to ten, I feel great, telling yourself maybe I don't look very good, or I'm not very smart, um, God doesn't love me, nobody loves me, tell yourself that just for a few moments here, I'm just going to give you a, few, a little bit of time to do that, and then assess how you feel, so let's take some time right now. <laughs> so how did you feel, Val? I felt like crap. <laughs> I was more down on the lines of a three or a two. Now, I want you to do the same thing, but on a positive note. Think about the thoughts that God gives you about who you are, that you're his child. You're created in his image. He is going to use you. He's got a plan for you, a plan to prosper you. Tell yourself some things positive, and then rate yourself on how you feel after that. Even tell yourself that I'm pretty that I'm smart, that I'm valuable. Well, how'd that work? It went quickly above five. Yeah. Thank you, that blessed me. Yeah, that was good. So it's much easier to give encouragement if we first encourage ourselves. And, and a real simple way, if you're looking for encouragement, is to read the Bible. The Bible is so full of encouragement. So if you can't find anything on your own, look to the Bible and pick out a favorite verse, memorize it, and dwell on that. Dwell on that positive aspect of who you are in Christ. While we're speaking to one another, what we do want to do is speak encouragement. What we don't want to do is speak flattery, okay? Because flattery has a, its base in lies. And if we're speaking lies to one another, we're setting each other up for a fall. Because eventually the truth will be revealed. 
So we don't want to do that. We want to steer into what God gives us. And he gives us a really good uh, baseline for what instruction for how to do this. From Ephesians 4.15, instead, speaking the truth in love. Why? Because we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. So I love how that truth with love intersects. That's what we want to do for one another. Truth with love. And you know the cool thing about that is that every person is made in God's image. And so there's something that we can complement, something that we can encourage in them. Every single person. You don't have to rely on flattery or lies. You can rely on God's truth and the uniqueness that he has given each individual. That way, your encouragement will be genuine. So the, the next concept that we just want to talk about is know the culture and obey the Holy Spirit. And this comes from the two verses um, in Ephesians 4. It says, but only what is helpful, building others up, and this is what struck me as I read it, according to their needs. And so that means you have to know where they're coming from. You have to know their culture. You have to understand or see in their own eyes or walk in their own shoes. And for me, you know, I grew up in the mainland. So in the mainland, at least in my world, it was I had to speak up for myself and I had to stick up for myself. I was one of nine kids. And so I had to, if I needed something, I had to, you know, to get the attention. And, and when I did, they gave it just to me, not to everybody. But I found that this, the culture that we're in here can be a little bit different. And I remember this one time that I was at church on the beach, and I was really wanting to encourage this one tent. And so I come up to this tent, and I was so excited. They were doing such a great job. And they go, way to go, you guys. And they all kind of like look up and like, why, why, are, you, why are you doing that? Because I was kind of sticking them out. I was making them stick out, and they didn't want to stick out. So you need to know the culture. The other uh, thing this brings to mind is if you're, if you're in a husband-wife or a male-female relationship, sometimes we speak different languages. You know, we talk about love and respect where uh, men enjoy this aspect of respect and women enjoy this aspect of love. So in order for me to speak to Val, I need to speak in her words uh, in a loving way as, as opposed to Val speaking to me as a man, showing respect to me. And then the other thing is do not grieve the Holy Spirit. If God puts it on your heart to give an encouragement to somebody, don't say, oh, I don't want to do it. Because God loves it when you obey him. Throughout the Bible, God has impressed upon me how much he loves obedience, taking a step of faith, even though we don't want to do it, but taking that step of faith and doing what God wants us to do. So I'm going to ask Jim and Katie to come up and give a little bit of testimony with regard to uh, knowing the culture and obeying the Holy Spirit. So one time I was riding in the car with some people, and one of them was talking to her dad on the phone, and she was in a big fight with her dad and started saying all kinds of mean and nasty things to him. And my first reaction was that I started thinking, you spoiled brat, you should have more respect for your father. But then I started praying to God for his peace and his wisdom to come into this situation. When she finally hung up in anger and then started crying, I turned to her and God gave me these words to say. 
Your father only wants the best for you, just like your father in heaven only wants the best for you. And she looked at me, and she got wide-eyed. She murmured, thanks. And then later that day, she told me, she called her dad back and apologized. <laughs> this was a really good lesson for me, not to respond in the flesh and say words of negative criticism, like I was going to, but instead to look to God, to give words of positive encouragement, because that's how God can work through us to change people's lives. Well, most of you probably know I'm a contractor, and I'm always working with young people and new people. And I got this guy um, right out of high school. He just graduated, and he started working with us. And we're building a deck for a judge in Kapaa. And 15 feet away, the neighbor had a shop where he would do carpenter work or whatever. And one day we're working, and uh, the guy, the neighbor was a grandpa, and his grandson was helping him. And all of a sudden, he starts talking to the grandson in language that I can't even quote. I mean, he was just calling him stupid, dumb, and the little boy is going, but Grandpa, I want to help you. You can't do anything right. I don't even know why I'm talking to you. You should be out of here. Just, and I'm over there just dying, you know, like, oh, my God, does he have any idea what he's doing to this child, you know? He's going to carry this scar the rest of his life. And uh, we're listening to this for 15, 20 minutes, you know. And I'm looking at the 18-year-old, the and he's going like, wow, man, you know. And all of a sudden, God goes, why aren't you doing what I taught you to do? And I go, oh, yeah, that's right, I forgot. So I looked to the, the young boy, and I said, watch this. And I start going, blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, the power that's in the holy blood that he shed for us. And I'm saying it loud enough that he can probably hear us talking but not make out what I'm saying. And I've done this many, many times. And I just kept on for about 10 minutes, you know. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, the precious blood of the Lamb. And it, it went down. And I've seen it happen many times. So, you know, it was pretty impressive. But 20 minutes later, the boy comes running up to me. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? And I said, hear what? Grandpa called the boy back in and said, hey, I'm sorry. I talked to you like that. And that 18-year-old boy didn't work with us very long, but I guarantee you one thing, he'll never forget that. <laughs> so we have that power. We have that authority. Thank you, Jim. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, you guys. Awesome examples of how to effectively use encouragement. I want to talk to you about something that I gained from a workshop that Mark and I went to this American Association of Christian Counselors World Convention um, just recently. And I went to a, a workshop that was presented by Dr. Henry Cloud. And you may know him in conjunction with Townsend, John Townsend. Cla Cloud and Townsend are famous for writing the book Boundaries, which is a huge help in Christian counseling. But Recently, Dr. Cloud wrote this book, The Power of the Other. And I want to tell you about some of the concepts he presented. He said, 
There is power in relationships. There's power in each other. In fact, we're made for interactions with each other and receiving encouragement from one another. Even from the womb, we are made for the power of the other to affect us. And when we're born into the world, if we do not get the nurturance, the physical touch, the care, the speaking positive things over us, if we don't get that, what happens is there are physical deficits in the brain function. In fact, brain scans show that there's actually holes in the neurological networks that develop. Spaces where there should be development, but there is none. Brains are developed smaller. And so you can imagine that that affects everything. It affects a person's health, their life, their relationships, the way they can enjoy life. It affects everything. And through our lives, we're also needing one another. The power of the other remains strong to the point where research has demonstrated that if we have just one other friend that we can call our friend, that we can share just about anything with, we feel comfortable with and encouraged by, we're probably going to make it in life. We're probably going to be pretty healthy. Those people have better relationships, better health and fitness, better well-being than those who don't have those relationships. Again, demonstrating the power of the other. But the testimony that Dr. Cloud told us touched my heart so deeply that I want to try and share this with you. Dr. Cloud had a brother-in-law. His name was Mark. And Mark wanted to be a Navy SEAL. That was his dream. Well, he became a Navy SEAL. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that process in a minute. But I want to tell you that a year and a half after his deployment, he did give his life in service to our country. So it was at the funeral that Dr. Cloud found out about the power of the other in Mark's life. He met his best friend that went through the Navy SEALs training along with him. Now, I'm saying Navy SEALs training like I know what that is. And of course, I've never been a part of the military and I don't know exactly what that is. But I've read a little bit and I heard Dr. Cloud explain that those people who go into a program for, to become a Navy SEAL are considered to be the best of the best, of the best, of the best, of the best. I mean the cream of the cream of the crop. There are those that have intellectual capabilities beyond the norm. They have physical capabilities beyond the norm. They have willpower and values beyond the norm. And they then go into the program, and as they go into the program, they put them through these tests of unbelievable torture just to find out how they're going to react and if they're going to be able to make it. So Dr. Cloud tells about Mark and his friend going through this together, encouraging one another, and getting to the final part of this training. Now, the final part speaks for itself. The title speaks for itself. It's called Hell Week. Okay. So after they've gone through all of this torturous stuff, then comes the final test. And this is in Hell Week. Okay. So by that time, two-thirds of the people are gone. They've dropped out because they cannot handle it for one reason or another. So Mark and his friend are going through this hell week. And let me tell you a little bit about what they do to them during hell week. Can't tell you everything, but what they do is they deprive them of sleep. For instance, in four and a half days, they have about four hours of sleep. They keep them going. They keep them, keep them doing these arduous tasks 
that are well beyond the norm. So they're going through all of this, and they're going through the hell week, and they're, they're tired, and they're, they can't think right, and, and then comes the final test. The ultimate final test is that they take them, sleep-deprived and all, they don't clothe them in appropriate clothing, and they dump them into the ocean. And they tell them, if you can make it to shore, you can become a Navy SEAL. So. The testimony of this young man about Mark said, I knew that Mark had made it to the shore, but my system was failing. It was shutting down. I had hypothermia. I was, I, was, I was done. My system couldn't do it. My brain wanted to do it. I saw Mark on the shore, but I could not do it. And I was going down for the last time when I bobbed up and my eyes locked with Mark's on the shore. And Mark did something that changed my life forever. Mark did this. Come on, you can do it. Come on, let's make it. Do it. And it triggered something inside of this young man that wasn't there before he locked eyes and saw Mark do that. It wasn't there individually. He couldn't have made it to the shore individually. But with that encouragement, he not only made it to the shore, but he also became his dream, a Navy SEAL, and his life was transformed from then on. That, my friends, sisters, and brothers, is the power of the other. And that's what you have, and that's what I have for one another. Let's use that power. Amen. And I've got a follow-up after that. God, please help. That's an awesome story. Every time, she, and we practice this several times, every time I hear it, it just touches me. Yeah, there is power that we have for each other. That's what God has given us. Um, this next concept is the language of love. And again, you guys probably thought you were going to get away without hearing this. I told somebody that we were giving a sermon. I said, oh, we're going to hear another marriage sermon? I said, well, not really. But we still wanted to introduce this concept of the language of love. And in particular, this is one of my love languages. There's five love languages. And this is a concept that was written by... Uh, a senior pastor, his name is Dr. Gary Chapman, the five love languages, how to express heartfelt commitment to your mate. And for me, one of those is affirmation. But my major one is helping others. I love helping others. I love it when people help me. So acts of service. There are other ones that, Val, that are Val's primary ones, such as gifts or touching. And then there's another one called quality time. But I want to focus on affirmation. And for me, uh, affirmation comes in two different ways. One, when I help somebody and they recognize that and they say thank you, that really touches my heart. They, they recognize that I'm pouring out my love, pouring out my heart for them, and they say thank you. Somehow, you know, their appreciation really touches me. Um, the other way it affects me is that I grew up, like I said, in a family of nine kids, and our typical environment was that we would tease each other. Yeah, it was for fun, but it got pretty brutal, you know? So... For me to get uh, kind words or encouraging words is counter to that. It feels good to me. So uh, I also appreciate the words of affirmation. 
So there are different types of, uh, oh, there are different types of encouraging words and uh, languages of affirmation. But I want to read a story from this book about affirmation. So this is Dr. Chapman writing. He says, several years ago, I was sitting in my office with my door open. A lady walking down the hall said, have you got a minute? He said, sure, come in. She sat down and said, Dr. Chapman, I've got a problem. I can't get my husband to paint our bedroom. I've been after him for nine months. I've tried everything I know, and I can't get him to paint it. Dr. Chapman writes, my first thought was, lady, you're at the wrong place. I'm not a paint contractor. But I said, okay, tell me about it. She said, well, last Saturday was a good example. You remember how pretty it was? You know what my husband did all day long? He washed and waxed the car. So Chapman says, what did you do? She said, I went out there and said, Bob, I don't understand you. Today would have been a perfect day to paint the bedroom, and here you are washing and waxing the car. So did he paint the bedroom, Chapman said? No, it's still not painted. I don't know what to do. Chapman says, let me ask you a question. Are you opposed to clean and wax cars? She says, no, but I want the bedroom painted. Are you certain that your husband knows that you want the bedroom painted? I know he does. She said, I've been after him for nine months. Well, let me ask you one more question, Chapman says. Does your husband ever do anything good? Well, like what? Oh, like taking the garbage out or getting bugs off the windshield of the car you drive or putting gas in your car or paying an electric bill or hanging up his coat? Well, yeah, he does some of those things. Well, then I have two suggestions. One, don't ever mention painting the bedroom again. I repeat, don't ever mention painting the bedroom again. She said, I don't see how that's going to help. Look, you just told me he knows that you want the bedroom painted. You don't have to tell him anymore. He already knows. The second suggestion I have is that the next time your husband does anything good, give him a verbal compliment. If he takes the garbage out, say, Bob, I want you to know that I really appreciate you taking the garbage out. Don't say, well, it's about time the garbage went out. The flies were about to carry it out for you. <laughs> if you see him paying the electric bill, Put your hand on his shoulder and say, Bob, I really appreciate your paying the electric bill. I hear there are husbands who don't do that. And I want you to know how much I appreciate it. Every time he does anything good, give him a verbal compliment. She said, I don't see how that's going to get the bedroom painted. <laughs> and I said, you asked for my advice? You have it. It's free. <laughs> she wasn't very happy with me when she left. Three weeks later, however, she came back to my office and said, it worked. <laughs> she had learned that verbal compliments are far greater motivators than nagging words. And then Chapman goes on to say, I'm not suggesting verbal flattery in order to get your spouse to do something you want. The object of love is not getting something you want, but doing something for the well-being of the one you love. It is a fact, however, that when we receive affirming words, we are far more likely to be motivated to reciprocate and do something our spouse desires. 
So with that, that's, that was a story that touched me, and, and I hope it touched you. With that, there are different kinds of affirming words that I just want to share with you, such as encouraging words, like you can do it, or kind words, like I care about you, appreciation words, like I like what you did, and uplifting words, like you're the best. So try those as words of affirmation. I just love that example, Mark. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. And with that, actually, we have another testimony of encouragement by Pat Gonzalez. So please come up, Pat. We want to welcome you here. Hi. Good morning, everyone. So encouragement is very important in my life, both personally and professionally. So I work with elderly affairs, and normally we see people when they're not really at their best. They're not living their best life because of something that's happened. So when we go in to see them, it's very important that we give them encouraging words. And again, not flattery, like, oh, you'll be just like you were before because it's not going to happen. But to encourage them that their new normal can be okay. But um, personally, it's very important, and I want to talk about nonverbal encouragement because in my life, that's been very important. So a lot of you know that recently we had a tragedy in our family, and my brother-in-law took his life a couple of months ago. And nobody ever knows what to say. You don't know what to say when something like that happens. But loads and loads of people came to my mother-in-law's house, and they brought food or they brought ice for the coolers, or they brought cards, or they just sat with the family. And that was very encouraging to us, and especially to her. She kept telling me every day, I'm blown away. I'm just blown away. I can't believe how many people care. So that was awesome for her. And then, you guys know my son is Max. <laughs> Everybody knows Max. So 10 years ago, Max was in a car accident and left him with a severe traumatic brain injury. And he was... He was in Queens Hospital for five and a half months, and he was in rehab for a month and a half. So six of that seven months, I was on Oahu with him. And although I got a lot of encouragement from family and friends and from Darlene here at the church, she flew over and saw us one time, and um, it was a lot of prayers, and all that was wonderful. But with the medical profession, there was really very little encouragement, especially the doctors and the nurses. They want you, I guess, not to have false hope. But there was one group that really touched me, and it wasn't because they would tell me, oh, he can do this, or he'll be doing that, or, you know, don't worry. It was the therapist at Queens Hospital. There was a group of ladies that worked with him, and they worked with him every day, even though there was no progress. We saw no progress. And one of the things they did is they put him on this machine called a life gate. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but it's a big, it's a metal it's like a metal stand, and it's on wheels, and it has a harness that hangs down. So they will put people in the harness, and that way they don't have to worry about them falling. So your feet are on the ground, and they'll push that machine, and your feet will move. And you don't have to worry about that person falling. So as soon as they could, they got Max in that machine. And it took a lot to get him in there to begin with. And his brain was not able to tell his feet or his legs to move. So one lady was behind, there was one on this side sitting on the bar, and there was one on this side sitting on the bar, and they would move his legs for him. And they continued to do that until one day the left leg would move on its own, and then finally before he was discharged, his right leg would do a little bit, but they still had to stay on that side. But just the fact that they did that every day for him, 
And they never said, he's going to be great. But that was a huge encouragement to me that somebody else believed this is going to work. Thank you so much, Pat. Oh, that's so awesome. It reminds me that, we, you know, God gives us each other to come alongside in times when we can't do for ourselves. And so we can encourage one another by being there for one another as well as by the words that we choose to use. Well, we want to kind of wrap this up by asking you to participate in a little bit of homework. <laughs> I shouldn't use that word, homework, but research problem, research strategy is um, maybe a better word for it. I'm going to share with you something that meant so much to me when I took child psychology in my clinical psych program. My professor was an expert on child psych, and he knew what we needed. And what we needed was to actually observe children. That's what we really needed. And so he told us that for one of our assignments, we're to go out in the playground and watch what the kids do. For about an hour, we took notes, and we just watched their interactions with each other and with their parents. I learned more from that than I have learned probably in any other assignment that I got in college. So I want to pass it on to you. What I want you to do, what we want you to do, is we want you to be an observer in your own world. You don't have to create anything new. Just simply the world that God has given you to operate in, be an observer of interactions of other people and their encouragement or their lack of encouragement. For instance, the next time that you're in a line of about 18 people at Walmart or Costco, instead of getting all frustrated and uptight like I do, what I ask you to do, and maybe I'll do this myself, is just be an observer of the cashier checking people out and their interactions with the people that are going through. See the people that treat them well, that encourage them, and see the people that don't. See the reactions between them. I'll bet you, you'll learn more than what Mark and I taught you in this whole hour of, of lecturing and sermoning. And be ready to bring that to your belong groups, because it's, it's even better when we can share our testimonies with one another. And the second thing we want to ask you to do is we want you to ask the Holy Spirit to identify one person, just one person, to practice words of encouragement on in your life. Okay? It's not about you. It's about obeying God. Now, Mark talked about when the Holy Spirit prompts us to do something, it really is sin if we don't do it. It really is. And he'll have his way. He'll find someone else to do it. But you've missed the opportunity or I've missed the opportunity to participate with God. So ask the Holy Spirit, who is it that I'm supposed to practice these words of encouragement on? And again, be ready to bring that and share that in your belong groups. And let me, let me just pray for the, um, the talk that we just gave. So Lord, I just thank you for your encouraging word found in the Bible, that you love us, Lord, that you sent your son to die for us, that you've invited us into your family, that we are so valuable that you sent your son to invite us, to make a way for us to come into your family. Lord, I pray that the words that, that we spoke today were your words. I pray, Lord, that it would touch every heart, that uh, as we leave, we would use what we've learned, not only today, but from the past sessions about thinking and asking for you to guide what we say and to filter what we, what we consume in our minds and to speak encouragement and love to one another, to those that you put on our hearts. Lord, I thank you 
I thank you, O oh God, for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask everybody to stand and ask the prayer team to come forward. If you would like prayer for being able to speak more encouragement, I'd like for you guys to come up. If you guys would like prayer for healing, I'd like for you to come forward. If you'd like prayer for anything, come forward. If you like prayer because you believe God has invited you into his family and you're not, you don't feel like that you're part of his family, come forward. Our prayer team is here ready and willing to pray for you. For any need that you have, come forward. And for those that don't come forward, let's enjoy and partake in the worship and just let's create an atmosphere where God can minister in his way and his time. Thank you.